So, uh, welcome to the new quarter, everybody. Um, what I'm going to do uh, with this quarter, uh, like I do with uh, all the other advanced classes, um, is uh, I'm always going to show a video first. Uh, a video that's in some way inspirational um, and also relevant. And I look at this, this is the first time I saw someone recommend this to me, this is the first time I saw this video. And I was very moved uh, by Loretta's story of um, her intellectual disabilities. Because I remember when uh, I was in Albany, I, was, I, was, I went to SUNY Albany in New York, and um, there was one thing that I was always afraid of. And the one kind of person I was always afraid of were people, at that time, we called them retarded. Right back in the 80s, when I was going to SUNY Albany, they were called retarded, like she had mentioned. And we don't use that word anymore, right? But that's what they, we call them. We call them retarded. Uh, and one of my good friends uh, actually worked at a home, and it was actually called the Home for the Retarded. Um, and uh, they've changed the name. Uh, it's now the Home for the Developmentally Disabled. But they used to call it the Home for the Retarded. And she had a job there, and I said, you know, I want to work there because I want to face my fears. I want to work for these children uh, and face the fears so I can get past it because I know I'm going to be a doctor and I know I'm going to have to be in front of these kind of kids and I don't want to have that fear of these kids who've got Down syndrome and kids with cerebral palsy and kids who are retarded as we used to call it and kids of all these other kind of issues. I want to be okay with that. So can you get me a job there? And she said, well, there's no openings now, but as soon as there is one, I'll let you know. So that was when I was a junior. When I was a senior, she came up to me early in, the, in my senior year at SUNY, and she said, Drew, there's a job open. I want you to apply. I'm going to put a good word in for you. Uh, and remember, this is before internet or whatever, so you actually had to physically drive somewhere, right, and go in, shake someone's hand, and get an application. Um, but luckily, this friend of mine had put in a good word for me, so I got an application, and I ended up getting a job. And it was one of the hardest and best jobs I ever had uh, because I did not, I had zero experience with people with intellectual disabilities, but even more so, I had zero experience with kids. Like, I hadn't even held a kid in my arms ever in my whole life, uh, you know, so that this was like way, way, way past my comfort zone. But um, I knew that uh, I had to adopt the attitude of, of to, be, to be act as if, so I just pretended that I knew what I was doing. Um, which actually served me very well, and has served me well ever since. Um, but it was really amazing experience. Uh, there was one uh, person I remember, his name was Dave. He was a teenager who had cerebral palsy uh, very, very severely, and he was stuck in a wheelchair. And um, uh, I thought he was very funny. He, was, he actually had a really great sense of humor. Um, and that's one thing I found out about a lot of these uh, children uh, with intellectual disabilities is they actually were, were quite humorous and quite loving, which I didn't expect, right? That was not what I was expecting. I would always, like, I remember, uh, and, you know, walking in, like, malls with my parents when I was little, and they would see someone in a wheelchair or someone who was walking, you know, like this, you know, with cerebral palsy, and they would, like, steer me away. Like, they would say, don't look at him, don't look at him, you know, thinking that was the polite thing, you know, to do at that time, which probably wasn't the... 60s and 70s when I was growing up, they, nobody knew anything about this kind of politically correct stuff. So I remember like dealing with Dave and saying to myself, God, Dave is funny. Like, every, he, he just cracks me up. And one day, I was walking, like, and each, each one of the, uh, the P 
people had like either individual or shared rooms. And one day I was walking down the hallway and I heard someone crying. And it sounded like Dave. And I went into his room and, I, and he was crying. And I said, Dave, why are you crying? And he's like, I can't tie my shoe. Because his hands were so gnarled up from the cerebral palsy, he, you know, he wasn't able to tie his shoe. And, and, and I usually came in the afternoon after classes, so someone had tied the shoe, his shoe in the morning and somehow it came undone. And he was sitting there fumbling, trying to get his shoe tied, but he couldn't figure out how to do it. So I said, don't worry about it, Dave. I'll tie your shoe. So I kneeled down, and I tied his shoe, and I got up and said, yeah, that was easy, right? No problem. And he stops crying, and he said, Drew, I love you. And he opens up his arm like this, and I, he gave me, like, the biggest hug. I was like, <gasps> and I, I, tears are pouring down my eyes now, because now I'm saying to myself, oh, my God, like, something so small, like tying a shoe, meant something so much to him that he would say something like that, right? And that was the beginning of me wanting to work with special needs kids, although I never put two and two together, right? I never actually thought about that, but that was my march towards being a special needs kids specialist, is starting working there when I was in college was the beginning of this kind of thought process. Because after that, I remember calling my parents saying, like, remember everything you told me when I was a kid about these kids? You were wrong. You were completely like, they are great people. They are loving. They are kind. They are funny. And we shouldn't shy away from them. We should get to know them. We should help them. We should, you know, participate with them. And it was a whole different ball of wax from that point on and, and forward. And I think that's the thing that, that this was bringing out, that Loretta was trying to bring out, is that, you know, just because someone has some sort of disability doesn't mean that there's a problem, right? And we can't look at them as a problem. If we look at, like, I don't know what her quote-unquote issue is, um, but whatever it is, there's nothing wrong with her. Because I bet you a lot of you couldn't stand up in front of a TED audience and do what she just did with that kind of strength, you know, and that kind of fearlessness that she displayed. That was pretty impressive to be able to do that. And she's got supposed intellectual disabilities. So my thought is, why don't we have a diverse thought process about people with intellectual disabilities, right? Why, why is it us versus them? Right? It, it, this, I think that, that when we talk about uh, all the different sort of potential issues that we could, that could separate people, whether it's race or religion or color or whatever it is, intellectual disabilities is another one of those things. So just because someone's walking down a hallway who is walking down like this shouldn't be someone that you like, you know, stand up and, or look at or point fingers up or, or mock or whatever. And that's what's really sad is in the school system, kids are taught to mock and to laugh at these kind of things. Now, when I was a kid, you were not taught to do any of that kind of stuff, right? When I was a kid, the, what we were taught to do was avoid, <clears throat> which isn't good, <clears throat> but at least it's better than bullying. <clears throat> but where does the bullying come from today? I'll tell you where a lot of it comes from. It comes from media, social media and regular media, <clears throat> where everything is like, like, if you look at some of our uh, particular presidential candidates, they're not running for office. That's not what I'm watching when I see all these debates. They're like putting on a show. And they're mocking each other and mocking different things and making jokes, even sexual references. I'm like, you got it. this is a presidential candidacy. This isn't like running for school, you know, uh, my, like school president. This is, this is the United States of America. 
this is, this, what does the rest of the country, the rest of the world, think about this? Right? This is, a, this is a shame, is what this is. And Facebook, and the way people go ranting on Facebook over and over and over again. You know, someone says something, and hundreds of people, they don't even know this, but because somehow they liked them or they friended them, now start chiming in and start saying mm, these nasty, horrible things and bullying people. That's where it's all coming from. <clears throat> so where does it stop? It has to stop with our ability to understand neurodiversity. That there's just like every other diversity that there is out there that we can <clears throat> that I just name, there's also neurodiversity. So if a child has cerebral palsy, if a child has autism, if a child has ADHD, it's not wrong, it's not bad, it's not something that, that shouldn't be. It is whatever it is, and sure, as a chiropractor, we're going to try to help it as much as we possibly can to strengthen whatever weaknesses they have. Sure, that's part of my mission. But the real mission, honestly, the real mission is to make that person feel as good as they possibly can about themselves. Right? So when a, when a child comes in, like I have a child who comes in, and she was called autistic when she, uh, when she first came into her office. They had called, labeled her as an autistic girl. <coughs> and... Um, but this girl is so smart that whenever I would, in the beginning, I'd show her, like in the report of findings, I'd show her mom like the spine. She was totally enthralled with the spine. She couldn't believe it. She's like, show me that again. Can I touch that? What is this? Where is this in the body? Show it on me. Show me on mommy. Where, where is this on mommy? <clears throat> now she comes in, and we have these amazing conversations about, like, you're putting your hands on her back. You're putting hands on her cranium. What particular nerve is coming out of that particular area? Where's that nerve going to? And here's a six-year-old girl who's labeled autistic, and in the last year worth of care, she's no longer labeled autistic. They actually redid the test, and she, they, they now say she's got ADHD plus other intellectual disabilities. <clears throat> and it wasn't because of something I did, right? And it wasn't even something that the mom did. It was that the mom and myself and a, lot, a whole team of other people helped strengthen her weaknesses and recognized her gifts, and saw her as a neurodiverse person, and instead of like saying, you know, she's holding on to a spine, saying, no, no, don't touch that, you don't know what that is, you know, forget it, forget it. you don't need it, you, you, you're not going to figure that out, right, is, I talked to her as if she knew, and now she's like, I want to be a chiropractor, and maybe she will, maybe in 20-something years, I'll be teaching her, right here in the institution, and wouldn't that be a really cool thing, that someone who, you know, thought or was labeled as autistic, now is able to succeed because enough people believed in her that allowed her to blossom to the person that she needs to become. And that's my point. Right? That's my point. Uh, what I want to do as a chiropractor is, is I, I'm not a bone doctor. You've just heard me say this a million times. I'm not a bone doctor. I'm a nurse system doctor. And I want to make sure that every child who comes under my care is able to get not just the best chiropractic care I can give them, but I also want to make sure that every child who comes under my care is, can reach the highest potential that they are capable of. And I know being subluxated will prevent them from being the best that they can be. And that's the whole thing, right? So if I can remove their subluxations, then I know they have a better chance of being the best little boy or little girl that they can be. I know that 20 years from now, my adjustments now will help that person get a better job, have a better future, have a better career, have a better family than if that person stays with subluxations their whole life. Right? And that's ultimately why we're here as chiropractic students here in this classroom. 
is because hopefully if you're in this class, that's what you want for the kids that you're going to take care of. Right? We want to show them a different way. And we want to show the parents a different way. Instead of treating their kids, I guess one thing parents are always saying to me is that I really appreciate that you don't treat my kid like something's wrong. You know, you don't treat my kid like he has asthma. You don't treat my kid like he has autism. You don't treat my kid like she's got ADHD. You treat them like an adult. I treat them, I treat each and every one of them with total respect. No matter what's wrong and what the age is and what's happening with them, I treat them the same way because in a neurodiverse thought process, that's what they deserve, which is just what she was saying. We don't look at them as someone with autism. We look at them as a person, right? Everybody's a person. You're all different in this classroom, and I see no difference except for a couple of different things, but there's no difference to me with everybody that's in here. And it should be the same thing whether they're sitting in here with cerebral palsy and they have to be in a wheelchair, or they have autism, or they have ADHD and they're bouncing up and down. They're still a person, right? And let's teach the person, and let's take care of the person and not the issue, right? Because it's not the chief complaint that I'm taking care of, right? What, in my mind, what I'm taking care of is the rest of their life. So what's happening right now at the moment, the reason that brought them in, whether it's because they have ear infections or asthma or allergies or autism or back pain or whatever the problem is, that's, that's this right here. But I want you to future pace yourself like 20 years from now and look at that kid or even that adult or whatever, whoever it happens to be, that pregnant woman, and say, I'm not just taking care of them for what's, what their presenting problem is. I'm taking care of them for their future. Right? Because if we can help them reach a different future, even if we only get to adjust them one time, then didn't we do a great job? Right? Isn't that our point? Isn't that my goal? Is to, is to inspire someone like her? You know, she had some great inspirations when she was younger, obviously, especially her mom. But shouldn't we be that person to that child so that 20 years from now when they're doing a TED Talk that they mention you guys? and say, I went to my chiropractor and he made me feel so good or she made me feel so good about myself that now I feel here because of the, the help that person gave me and my mom and everybody else who helped me, right? That, that to me is a, my ultimate goal of what we're doing you know, here <clears throat> in this particular class.